dig this. First 125, Moro here from Grundahl. Kingsley turns that five sideways. Brian, the gate is down. This is a sharp left-hander. Who's going to shot? Looks like Darcy Lange on that Richmond Gallon Kawasaki gets the jump. That's where it all started. Big MX Radio, brought to you by Meta, is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. Fly Racing, Bills Pipes, W Wheels, Motul MX, X-Brand Goggles, Moto Ice Wrap, and Moto Stuff make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Arma Energy Drink Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by Fly Racing X Brand Goggles, Just One Helmets, Meta, and Motul MX and Spokeskins. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With us on the line, we have none other than Noah Picard. Noah, how's it going? Pretty good, man. How are you doing today? Hey, not too bad uh, up here in uh, cold and blustery uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba. Uh, but uh, things aren't too much different for you. You're a, a northern states guy uh, hailing from Wisconsin. Um, before we get too far into this, uh, give, give the uh, the listeners a bit of an idea of, of, of who I've got on the line. Well, I'm Noah Picard. I'm a 19-year-old autistic motocross racer. I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm studying sports broadcasting in college right now and i announce at the motocross races it's what i love to do that is really cool and uh, and, and good on you for taking on uh, as many hats as you do knowing uh, i full well know uh trying to race and ride uh, on race day as well as uh, manning the microphone and uh taking on post-secondary education um is no small feat either i think uh on all accounts you should be uh, commended my friend Thank you, sir. Uh, I really appreciate you giving me uh, the time to uh, to, to uh, pick your brain a little bit and uh, just talk some moto. Same way we do uh, at uh, just about um, every single uh, race day. We, we end up on our tailgates at some point uh, talking about the race. And uh, this is a cool opportunity for a couple of guys who uh, are really passionate about it. And uh, I know that uh, you've got a, a huge knowledge of the sport. And uh, for, for those who are also looking to uh, get a little bit more info uh, from you or, or even watch some of the videos that you've been uh, been posting about, uh, so just some like kind of rate, uh, weekend recaps of, of some of the race action, where, where can they go do so? Um, you can go on Facebook, look me up, Noah Picard, or on Instagram at NPR110, or Snapchat at Moto110. At Moto110 on Snapchat, uh, uh, a social media platform that's taking off uh, more and more all the time, uh, and uh, and that, that's really cool. And you can also find you on Snap, uh, on Instagram. Uh, but of course, those, those longer videos where you kind of talk about the races and stuff like that, um, Actually, that's how we ended up solidifying this, uh, was in the comment section of a video of one of those videos. Uh, those can be found on, on Facebook. You bet. I mean, it was my first one just a couple days ago, and it went over well, yeah. and I was told to keep doing it. So, 
Absolutely. You, you, you 100% need to uh, continue doing it. I love to get your take on things. I love to, uh, to, to, to hear, um, your opinion on a few of these, these races and, uh, you've got, you've got a, a no nonsense approach to your analysis. And, uh, I like that, man. Thank you, sir. I mean, I'm trying. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's, that's what it's all about, man. It's just, uh, it's uh, max effort all the time, but, uh, let, let's jump straight into this. Let's get some analysis going and, uh, get these, these wheels turning, um, 450 class and supercross. um, uh, kind of like, uh, uh, yesteryear with Ricky Carmichael, Ryan Dungey has made this very boring, uh, has not been off the podium yet this year, started the year off with a second place and, uh, has only finished third twice, uh, in the process of gathering a, uh, but look, looks about, about a 45 point lead over, uh, of Ken Roxon. Uh, do you, do you believe that he, uh, wraps, uh, the title up, um, in Foxborough or uh, or St. Louis? I believe Foxborough because Ken Roxon's consistent on the podium. I mean, sometimes he has inconsistent races, but he's generally pretty fast. I was at the Indy Supercross this weekend, and Ken Roxon gave Dungey the run of his life. He, he actually passed him. He didn't give up, and he put in a solid second. He was on Dungey's tail. I totally agree. It seemed like uh, he could gain time on Dungey at will. Um, I don't think it's anybody's, uh, anyone would argue that Ken Roxon has more top end speed or that, uh, that potential to, uh, to just put down faster laps and, and get those faster laps than, um, than, than Ryan Dungey. But in, at the end of the day, uh, it's about uh, who can get those fast laps in, most consistent, not make those mistakes. And we saw um, Ken made at least three glaring mistakes where he lost no less than uh, a couple of seconds each time. And that's what added up to a small margin of victory for uh, the number one. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, Dungey, I mean, you can't give time up to Ian Dungey and expect to win. He's like Ricky Carmichael, but without all the flashy mistakes and holding on to the bike, he's just putting it up there, and he's consistent, and he's the most consistent rider out there. Absolutely. Uh, I think uh, the difference, the, the greatest difference between Ricky and, and Dungey is that uh, that pin it mentality, which uh, I guess is where uh, Ricky will always have that uh, that number of wins in his back pocket. But uh, and uh, of course, with the longevity of never losing a, an outdoor title, um, R- Ricky's uh, total championships will will always stand above all. But uh, as far as like just steady dominance and just like almost uh, robotic uh, unbeatable um, uh, method to uh, Ryan Dungey's madness. It just seems like, um, like I think we've, we've you, 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 you no doubt probably uh, listened to the same uh, other podcast that I do. And, and I would agree. The only way to get under Ryan Dungey's skin is the way that Ryan Villapoto did it is that you've got to be rough with the guy. Yeah, I mean, you got to stick it in there. I mean, you, you got to show him a wheel and you have to punt him off the track because Dungey's an animal. He's a machine. He's not going to give it up without contact. Yeah. It, it's uh, like the, if the guy could run 100 laps and and, uh, and never run himself off the track, he, he, he doesn't put a wheel wrong. You don't hear about practice crashes with Ryan Dungey. You don't see him go down and practice uh, all year long. There, I, I can't think of a single time of watching race day live or listening to race recaps or watching races where the guy had 
anything more than a small tip over. And uh, that just literally can't be said about anybody within the top 10 at all. And, and that, that is, um, it's, it's not Ryan Dungey's speed that, that really, that sets him above. I guess that's why we call him the diesel, but, uh, it's that constant, um, just being there every single weekend and, uh, to his credit being fast, the guy still, uh, throws down the, uh, the, the top qualifier every once in a while, but, um, it's it seemingly only when he kind of needs to is when he pulls that out. Right. For sure. I mean, a fun fact about Ryan Dungey is he's only had one major injury in the pro ranks, and that was 2007 at Redbud. I was actually there. Yeah. He piled it off the step down and broke his collarbone. But besides that, he's Mr. Consistent. He puts in the most amount of effort at the Eldon factory with Jason Anderson and Marvin Muskin and Gucci Paul and two about the GPs. Yeah, I got yeah. the best program around, and it's showing on the track on race night. I couldn't agree more. It's safe to say that uh, Ryan Dungey is most dedicated to the most demanding um, program uh, in, in in pro sport. Honestly, um, like there, he has three other stablemates in that program in uh, Jason Anderson and uh, Marvin Muskan. But uh, safe to say that uh, as far as uh, buying into the program and doing all things necessary to uh, to maximize that uh, that program. Ryan Dungey's doing all of them, and uh, that's why he's carrying the number one plate this year, and that's why he's going to uh, carry the number one plate uh, in, in 2017 as well. I agree with you 100%. I mean, he puts in the work. He's the most consistent. I know, as I said before, he bought in the Eldon program as soon as Villapolo left because Dungey figured out he needed a trainer. I mean, he always trained hard, but he just didn't have what he needed particularly to win. But... After he signed out with Eldon, it quickly changed real quick. Yeah, to, uh, I uh, it, it's uh, it's it's like night and day, and I think uh, it's no it, it's no surprise that Ryan Dungey probably got together with uh, uh, with Alden Baker and Alden. The first conversation they, that uh, Alden had with uh, with Ryan is that uh, this is how we've been beating you for X number of years, and uh, that's this is how we can fix it. And then it just opened his eyes to the possibilities of. Uh, um, taking the, uh, the the consistency and adding some fitness and speed, and uh, it's adding up to a combination that, uh, frankly, um, like barring disaster, uh, can't be beat in 2016. Yeah, I mean, I know like Eli Tomac and Ken Roxon train very hard as long as Chad Reed and Seeley and all them do too, but they just don't have the winning mix. I mean, they have a good mix, but it's not the championship consistent mix yet. And I think Eldon's the only trainer in the sport who can consistently win championships. All of his riders have won championships like Ricky Carmichael and Ryan Villapoto and now Ryan Dungey. And there's no better trainer out there right now, in my opinion. No, I, I, absolutely not. Um, there are different ways to uh, get to that fitness, but uh, you as well as anybody would know that this is a, it's a mental game. It's about confidence, and uh, when you when you know your bike is on point, and you know your training is on point, and you know that you've got a better trainer than anyone on the line, and you've got a better bike than anybody on the line, and you're a better rider than anyone on the line, uh, you're going to race away from everyone, uh, and that's just... Um, that's the bottom line. That's how that's how Supercross works. Oh, for sure. I mean, 
you got to have the winning formula and Eldon and his riders all have the winning formula right now. Even Jason Anderson with those two wins, even though one of them was because of a medical flag incident, but right. still got two wins the season and Moosekin came close and until James Stewart got a little lapper in the way there. And, and that, and that wrote that story. <laughs> No kidding. Yeah, uh, um, the the king of controversy at at this point. Uh, I, I honestly, I kind of feel for Stu. That it's uh, it's, it's um, a guy I grew up watching and loving the way to, the way the guy rides. Uh, I hate to see him the way he is right now. Um, and it's uh, he, James Stewart should not get lapped if he didn't put the bike on the ground at some point and. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that he he, he parks her until, uh, well, honestly, it, it might be it might be time to park it for good. But uh, if he is to come back, uh, only come back when it's um, when he's 100. percent He's 31st in points, by the way. Yeah, I know he's behind Josh Grant, Blake Baggett, all the people who've only done two or three races this year. He just can't seem to put it together. He can't seem to finish a main or even make the night show and make it to the heat race with all these injuries. No, he, he's, he's behind Cade Clayson. He's behind, he's, he's damn near behind Jeff Alessi right now. Yeah. And Jeff Alessi's performance at Indy, uh, he went out on the track or the parade lap. He got lapped on lap four. He came in, took a break and finished it out with 11 laps completed. So that's about the, category he's in right now but he can always step up from that too once he gets healthy totally agree um so uh we're of course uh with uh, the guy we have on the line of course Noah Picard uh you were at the race this weekend so what was your experience like where were you or where were you sitting in relation to the track and uh kind of uh, give us a story of your weekend I was sitting right by the finish line like right where they had that really weird like wall and then that ruddy double that they couldn't seem to hit in 450 group b or c but the races were good the track was absolutely gnarly out there it was ruddy it was rough and it wasn't like a typical super cross block i know that's how wendy's been the last few years but the races were good there was a lot of crashes though yeah uh the the soil seemed to uh jump and uh go up and, and grab some guys uh definitely different from uh most um most supercrosses that we see, um, not exactly a race where we kind of saw the guys really uh, show off their skills, so to speak, as far as uh, some some tricky jump combinations and whatnot. But uh, cool to see some ruts develop and these guys uh, still able to uh, to make it look easy-ish. Although, uh, like you said, that double that seemed to to uh, I don't think anyone jumped that thing twice the same way. I know. I mean, there were ruts everywhere. Roxon went in the main event. He'd square up to the inside, hit it where there was no ruts, and Dungey would just keep hitting it in the middle. And Tomac actually had a pretty good crash off it. I don't know if you've seen it on TV or not, but Tomac hit it in the middle, and his front end tucked, and he piled it over the bars pretty good. That was uh, why he uh, uh, fell out of uh, contention there. Yeah, I mean, he got back up, and I think he did anyway. I think he yeah, finished. he finished in ninth, and yeah, but he was running pretty good. I think he was fourth or fifth at the time, and that just bit him pretty good. Yep. 
I think he might have even been third at some point. Um, yeah, I, I do believe he was in third, and then uh, that that's when uh, uh, Anderson and uh, well, ever and the rest of the top ten went by. Um, and uh, but uh, like, what's your t- what's your take on Eli Tomac's season? A guy who uh, we kind of expected to have a rocky start coming off of uh, coming back from injury, but. Um, I, I imagine the shoulder stuff is behind him. He, he shouldn't be dealing with a whole lot of that stuff anymore. Uh, what's your take? I mean, I think it could be his bike's at up too because he's been riding a Honda for numerous years since he went pro in 2010. But now he's on a Cowie yeah. 450, and the Cowie seems to be a little more front-end heavy. I know I own one. <laughs> but yeah, but they have a lot. They have a ton of power, and it's just might be a lot to hang on to right now, but at Daytona, the most outdoor track on the circuit, which the bike setup for him, I don't know, is the best because he wanted the most outdoor track on the circuit, Daytona. But when it comes to Supercross, uh, that front end loves to wash out. Couldn't agree more. Now uh, let's uh, let's leave 450s, go go straight to the 250s in Supercross, and uh, talk about a class that ex- has experienced five different winners. Um, and, uh, the points chase, uh, isn't a whole lot tighter than, uh, the 450s because even though we've had five different winners, um, one of the guys has been, has missed two races and will most likely miss the rest of the series with, uh, concussion issues. Um, uh, the, the, uh, one of the, your second race, uh, winner has had two absolutely brutal weekends in a row, uh, with Jeremy Martin missing, uh, basically getting, uh, I believe he finished 18 points. What is that? Uh, no, eight points. What's eight points? 12? Like, like just, he's got eight, he's got seven points over the last, or nine points over the last two weeks, which is, uh, unacceptable. And, uh, although, right. uh, Instagram would tell you differently, probably feeling a little bit sore, uh, this week, uh, the only guy that's been somewhat consistent, which is the most surprising is Malcolm Stewart currently only has a 10 point lead over Aaron Plessinger, who's been steadily on the rise. Uh, uh if, if you had to pick a champion today, who's, uh, who's taking it by Vegas? I mean, I know that Malcolm's been going fast, but more consistent. But I honestly think that Plessinger can be a dark horse ticket his championship because at the end of the day, Malcolm is the last name Stewart, and that usually leads to inconsistency nowadays. So I'm going to pick Aaron Plessinger to win the championship because he rode at Indy like the best he ever has, just like the Indiana National last year. Indiana seems to have his name on it because he just straight killed it. Couldn't agree more. Uh, I'm wondering if this uh, that soil is a little bit of an anomaly for him. Obviously, growing up on it, uh, not that specifically that patch of dirt, but some uh, ruddy soil that uh, develops those types of lines. Um, comes this weekend in St. Louis. It'll be interesting to see if uh, if the kid can uh, take care of business once again. Maybe uh, inch that much closer to a championship. But uh, honestly, it could all come down to Vegas if uh, if Aaron Plessinger can put two or three or four, maybe four riders between him and Malcolm Stewart, he could make all those points up in a matter of minutes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's golden. Malcolm seems to make some mistakes here and there. So if he could get like Jeremy Martin, Bowers, Davalos, and even that Gannon depth between him, he's going to be golden. I couldn't agree more. No, it's uh, it's... 
Dark Horse pick, I think for now I'm still leaning towards Stewart because uh, he has been fairly consistent, but uh, who knows, uh, the, uh, the the crash could, uh, his his ability to, to throw it all away could happen at any moment, uh, and uh, one bad race, and we'll, we'll be talking about... Um, uh, Aaron Plessinger with the with the red plate. Uh, is there anyone that's on the line right now that uh, anybody else that can get a win? Um, we've had five already. Uh, dare you name a sixth? Um, I really want to say Bowers because I'm a fan of his from the Arena Cross days, but he just doesn't seem to have it right now. So I'm going to go ahead and say there's going to be no more different winners in the 250 East. Fair enough. So then my next question is, who's going to get their first second win of the year? Who's going to get their first second win of the year? Yes. I'm going to have to go with Malcolm Stewart because it's just the pure speed. Or even Plessinger because Malcolm would make a mistake. So I'm going to pick Stewart or Plessinger to win. And again, I would say Davalos, but this is his 11th year in the 250 class. And he just seems to get a little worse every weekend, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. I think there should be a rule that uh, if you started riding the uh, uh, the 250F class, lights class, with a carburetor on your bike, you need to move to the 450. <laughs> For sure. I mean, he just can't seem to find the championship, and he's willing to stick it in the class until he does. I mean, that could be 15 years when he retires, and he's still not a 250 champion, but he never rode a 450, but in a couple of moonlighting rides last year on the West Coast. Yeah, I totally agree. Not even uh, not even earning enough points, he seems to uh, um, either either get himself hurt or uh, he's been accused of, t- of taking a couple of dives over the year. But uh, um, it, it's looking like uh, uh, yet another season of uh, under a hundred points for uh, for Martin Davalos, unless he can uh, keep it on the podium from uh, from this this way out. He's cutting it close. He's at seventy seven right now. He's got. Two or three more rounds to get to a hundred. If you can't get to thirty points in three rounds, then you're in pretty good trouble. With no Bobby Hewitt at the Rockstar Husqvarna team. Yeah, his name would be mud at that point. But uh, um, but but I, I honestly think that we're in for a treat with this uh, this two fifty class. Um, so if uh, if you had to pick a winner today, if you were in Vegas putting some money down, uh, you go Plessinger or uh, or Stewart. I'd honestly say Plessinger because I know the heart he puts into it, and I know he used to race the GNCC as a kid, so his endurance is great. He puts in the work. He's with Star Racing. He's got Jeremy Martin as his teammate, who that kind of benefits him sometimes, but last weekend it didn't. He didn't help him out at all. Right on. So uh, let's blast through a couple of things uh, quickly before I let you go. Uh, we got to call, call up uh, Zach Commons right away here. But... Uh, um, the uh, the first arena cross ever to be held outside uh, was greeted by Mother Nature with uh, some rain and muddy conditions. Uh, is that uh, is that irony or what? I think that's awesome. I watched the highlight video in class today, <laughs> and uh, they were still hitting the obstacles. The front runners were still stepping on, stepping off, hitting the doubles and the rhythm lanes, hitting the catapult. But the lap time was still fifty seconds, and that's more than the Supercross a couple weeks ago. That's more than it was this weekend. What'd you say? That's 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 longer than the the uh, the lap times were this weekend. The lap times this weekend were uh, were forty five seconds. 
Yeah, I know, and that's too short for a Supercross track, in my opinion. <laughs> totally agree. Uh, but um, what do you think about the uh, the points chase in Arena Cross? Uh, does it make you want to watch more? Do you find that it makes for more exciting racing? Or, as a fan who's in the know, do you uh, pay less attention to the series before the chase really starts? Because uh, knowing that those races, although they, they, can, they can hold some in- entertainment in and of themselves... Realize that um, other than uh, for basically how the uh, the chase is going to uh, settle out, um, like the it, it to me, I don't really pay a whole lot of attention until uh, the chase is set, and then from there, it's a it's a, a mini series uh, attached on to uh, the end of, of of the series as is. Right, but I have to watch the whole thing. But I got some friends in there: Jace Owen, of Travis course. Sewell, Cody Van Buskirk, and. And they all made the top ten this year. I couldn't be more prouder. No kidding. Uh, ha- having uh, some some friends at the top, uh, gotta wonder whether or not you'd be able to uh, get some extra special uh, access to the pits uh, at a hometown uh, arena cross. Yeah, I have a connection to get some credentials at a local arena cross or supercross or national. It's come down to hit me up. We'll get your credential. <laughs> Perfect, man. We'll, we'll we'll hit it up together. We'll take on the the motocross world by storm. You bet. So, uh, uh, other than the guys that you had just mentioned, uh, who are some of your favorite privateers, and uh, and of which uh, which which ones have kind of like uh, surprised you this year with their performances, both good and bad? And Supercross, either one. Um, I honestly say that the 976 of Josh Greco, who lives out of his van, he's other good buddy of mine. He really impressed me this weekend. He raced some good starts, made an eye show pretty easily. He rode good. He got some TV time, too, near the 976 on the Cowie, as well as Bubba Pauly, Theodore Pauly out of Edwardsville, Illinois. He he almost whole shot at the semi. I know Blake Baggage just nudged him out, but he was running yeah. up front and he took a digger. I mean, he's not used to the pace. Yeah, he, he was the up pace. there for a little while. Yeah, how about Jacob Williamson, though, on the Legends and Heroes bike now? Yeah. He didn't ride a Supercross track until until the first lap of Toronto practice, and he hit everything the first lap. That's insane. I, I, I personally could not take that on. Oh, trust me, I couldn't either. I'd be on the ground at the end of the start straight. You and me together, buddy. Uh, so um, <laughs> I, I know uh, you you live awfully close to uh, to Redbud. That'd be, I guess, it would be your closest uh, national other than uh, maybe Millville, uh, which I definitely uh, plan to attend this year. Uh, excitement coming into uh, outdoors uh, as our, uh, our our focuses switch, and uh, of course, uh, your temperatures, my temperatures, uh, become more conducive to twisting throttles of our own. Right, for sure. For outdoors, I'm really excited for it. I'm looking for Tomac to have a good year outdoors on the college. He can get us up down. The Dungy's always consistent, but Roxon, he's a machine outdoors. I mean, he might be able to match him lap for lap. Totally agree, man. It all comes down to fitness and uh, and who's going to dial in that bike. And uh, different bikes lend themselves a little bit uh, better to, uh, to 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 ripping laps out uh, in the the great outdoors, as as it's called. Um, Noah Picard, it's a pleasure to have had you on the show. Uh, we, you are going to be a repeat offender uh, later on this evening when uh, uh, Zach Commons and I uh, call you up. But uh, we've got to run to that phone call right now. Um, but before we do, um, 
uh, re-up with the, the, the those listening uh, as to uh, what your uh, social media uh, uh, are, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Snapchat, and uh, how people keep tabs on you from week to week because uh, you know your stuff, man. You're passionate about motocross. Thanks, man. Yeah, my Facebook is Noah Picard. My Snapchat is at Moto110, and my Instagram is at NPR110. Perfect, man. Well, uh, uh, think of a couple of questions that you have for uh, for Zach Commons, uh, and we're gonna I'm gonna throw uh, his interview right after yours uh, this in this in this podcast right now. So we're gonna throw it to commercial right now, uh, and when we come back, we're gonna uh, talk to uh, Zach Commons, and uh, we'll, we'll get uh, Noah back on in a little while. But uh, we'll go to commercial right now here on the Big MX Radio Podcast Show. Thanks for being on there, Noah. Thank you, sir. Talk to you a little bit. Hey, everybody. This is Jimmy Button, former factory Supercross rider. You're listening to the Big MX Radio Show. We're going to take it to the commercial, and we'll be right back. When it's time to turn heads, Spokeskins has you covered. Whether it's dirt bikes, street bikes, or bicycles, nobody does it better than Spokeskins. Mix and match your spokes, or go with the same color all the way around. Either way. Spokeskins is the way to go to customize the look of your bike. Uniting off-road riders on every end of the budget spectrum, Spokeskins is aimed at giving you the custom look without the custom price tag. If you're looking to set your bike apart from the rest of the herd, turn some heads, and be able to change your bike's look on the fly, head to spokeskins.net. They don't just have Spokeskins on their website, they've got more. New products are being added all the time, like the Motul Slacker Digital Sag Scale, and just recently, Galfer Off-Road Series Rear Brake Lines, Oversized Rotor Kit, and Front Brake Lines as well. So do what I did. Head to spokeskins.net today, place your order, and get set up to turn some heads out there. Spokeskins, we've got you covered. If there's one item to be picky about, it's choosing the right helmet. I'm Andrew Short, and I choose the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. You too can wear the exact same helmet I wear, Trey Kennard wears, Jimmy Albertson wears, and many others. The F2 Carbon is a helmet loaded with details that make a huge difference in comfort and safety. Lightweight materials, phenomenal airflow, and a super comfortable, sweat-absorbing liner, and generous eye port design to accommodate any goggle choice are just a few. And did I mention how super trick these helmets look? Straight off the shelf and onto the racetrack. If you are looking for one amazing helmet, look no further than the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. For more information about Fly Helmets and other products from Fly Racing, visit them on the web at flyracing.com. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with Oats and Bran. Oats and Bran? I didn't think there was such a That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey kids, start out every morning with a fat bowl. In motocross, everyone wants 
one common thing. To simply enjoy the ride. Sand, clay, loam, or concrete, and everything in between. Riders all want to be able to enjoy their ride. But today is Arena Cross. Tomorrow is Glen Helen. And Saturday, we're heading to this gnarly sand track. How can we be sure our suspension is always dialed in? For most, employing a full-time practice technician is unrealistic. And even for those who have one, setting suspension is still a chore. Get a measuring tape, scratch a mark on the fender or rear number plate, and attempt some backward math to find 105 millimeters. Does this tape even have millimeters on it? Forget that. Head to motool.co today and set your sag every time you ride with the Slacker Digital Sag Scale. Let's hear from Johnny Casebeer himself and how this thing works. So uh, really basically you would just uh, stick it on your axle with the magnet, stick the clip on your side plate, basically where the arc of the axle would hit the side plate, and then uh, pull out the retractable cable, hook it to the clip, and turn it on, and then just take the bike off the stand and, and take a measurement. It's that easy. Trust tuning your suspension to Johnny Casebeer and Motul MX. Than steel. So what that means is it can move much faster. 2014 X-Brand Goggles is back and better than ever. From the Scatterx, Volcano, and Phantom Goggle, X-Brand has the product to make you stand out on race day. The quality of X-Brand products is second to none. Great lenses, incredible frame, and a strap that doesn't wear out. Great tear-offs, zip-off systems, nose guard, and more. Check out eksbrand.com for all of the accessories and pricing. WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up wusa.com that's D-U-B- YAUSA.com right now and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys we're building wheels for Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, they are not told whose wheels are whose. They just build amazing product. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to WBYAUSA.com today. WUSA, all things wheels. What's up guys? It's time to talk a little bit about Roy Borden Race. He's the performance specialist. Suspension, making a motor work, balancing a bike, or just maintenance. He's got the tools and know-how to make sure that your bike is ready on race day or practice. Roy Borden has strength in years of experience and the best technology and best tools at his disposal. Whether you're getting your forks redone, seals, 
or a full full blown rebuild on your forks or or shock. Call up Roy Borton today at 204 633 2722. Hey guys, Bill's Pipes is back, and that means the return of legendary performance. Two strokes, check. Four strokes, check. Since 1974, they've been tuning power at its finest for motocross racers, off-road racers, you name it. For you two-stroke lovers, the MX2 Bill's Pipe exhaust system is flat out the right choice to make. Nickel, works, and the brand new cone look is the right system for the job. When it comes to four strokes, Bill's Pipes brings the RE13 to decimate the field anywhere, anytime. So if you want the same pipe used by Billy Leninovich, Sean Collier, Vicky Golden, and the entire Barn Pros Home Depot Yamaha team, head over to Bill'sPipes.com today and never settle. Hey, this is Alex Ray. I don't know if, why you're listening to Brad's podcast, but I'll be back on soon. Hey, this is Zach Cummins. All you hosers, quit listening to Nickelback and jump on over to the Big MX Radio Show. Hey, guys, this is Cade Clayson, and not only do I blow uh, Alex Ray's doors off in the track, but I do it at K1 speed, too. And we're back. Big MX Radio Podcast, now on the line with Zach Cummins. Zach, um, repeat after me. I will not... Uh, I'm, I'm going to wait. I'm going I'm to hear you through. Uh, I'll get the whole phrase all at the end. I don't want to set myself up here. I will not gloat about a three-goal lead in the <laughs> second period when the Winnipeg Jets are about to put their foot on the throttle and come back to win. And I believe, was that overtime? It, they won. They, in overtime, they remained tied. And then it went to a penalty shootout. In which uh, yes. I believe Schieffel or Scheifel, I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, he uh, he brought it home for you guys. And honestly, I, uh, I I tweeted the other day about I think the Ducks legally have to name him Player of the Year, um, being I think that so, he, yeah. he yeah being that he single handedly won them the division. Um, no, I, I was I was pretty upset. I definitely jumped the gun. I three uh, up about halfway through the second period. And uh, AC and I were present at the game and, and feeling the mojo. There was a, a lot of uh, good vibes going around. And a then lot of suddenly, energy in the stands. Yeah, and then suddenly the Jets just decided that, uh, you know, screw the world. Nobody needs to like them. So they're just going to ruin it for everybody. And uh, managed to pull out another, another three-goal comeback and then uh, took it home at the very end. I, uh, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what to say about it. Well, like uh, far be it from the Jets to uh, do their very best to try and secure a ta- uh, the uh, number one pick in the NHL draft uh, yeah. by yep. uh, successfully tanking and having a decent chance at selecting mm-hmm. Austin Matthews first overall in this week, this year's upcoming uh, NHL entry draft. But um, no, they, they decided to string together their longest winning streak of the year and capped it off with a uh, a comeback victory over the uh, over the L.A. Kings. And of course, you were in uh, in the stands. Emotions are running high. Your team is performing extremely well against a team from Winnipeg. You know a person from Winnipeg, and you could you couldn't control you couldn't contain yourself. I couldn't, I couldn't hold you back. had to send those texts. Yep, and um, like. Like, it just, uh, I believe that's hockey karma right there. Uh, it was a regrettable decision in hindsight, yes. 
But I stand by it. I do. I mean, right. realistically, Winnipeg, like, I don't, I mean, I get that, I, I guess I should have known. I know you. I should have known that some people from Winnipeg would have just botched it, you know? Because it's like you'd think they'd at least want their own people to like them. But they'd want to prevail next year. And they just put caution to the wind and decided, hey, we've been losing all season, you know? We're, uh, we're not going to the playoffs. We may as well just blow it. No, it, it just it's the uh, the the Winnipeg Jets, and they're striving to uh, overall disappoint the fans here in Winnipeg. When we want them to win, they lose. We want them to lose, they win. Um, and uh, this time last year, we went up against the Anaheim, uh, and I would call them the Mighty Ducks because when I was a child, they were the Mighty Ducks, and they will always be the Mighty Ducks. And they yep. mightily smoked us four games in a row. Um, um, and, uh, it was, uh, it was a sad day when, uh, when, when we got swept, but, uh, I, I don't know what it is about SoCal, but for the most part, you guys got our number as far as hockey goes. I, I would, I'll give them that. I'll give the Jets that, that they beat the Ducks, they beat the Kings, which made the game for the Kings matter. Um, so, I mean, I, I have to pay respect there, but I, I'm disappointed. And for all the viewers that may be confused, this is, um, this is Brad's other segment, the Big MX Hockey Podcast. Oh, of course, yeah. the uh, yeah. where we have in-depth hockey analysis uh, <laughs> with a, a die-hard hockey fan, someone who's got a well of knowledge in the sport, uh, has been watching it for absolute like for weeks now. Yeah, we. Uh, yeah, I would say days. I would say days. I don't know that two weeks. I don't know if I have fourteen days, but I would say yeah, many a many a day. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, um, between the two of us, we've got uh, about 27 years and two weeks <laughs> worth of, uh, of, of, of hockey knowledge to, to draw yep. from, which is quite substantial. Yeah, no, I think if you combine our accolades, they're far more impressive than if you were to separate us individually. Um, oh, if we're talking yep. about my accolades, uh, as far <laughs> as the hockey world goes, um, not don't want to toot my horn too wildly, but there was one particular year where I actually scored more goals than the uh, the captain of the Chicago Blackhawks, Jonathan Taves. The only problem is is that we were five at the time. Oh, hey, but it's hey, you did it at five. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, yes, I would say that that more attests to your skill. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I, well, I, I, my... I was simply the 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 only five year old that could raise the puck. <laughs> My uh, my funniest hockey story. I've I've never played personally. My dad played um, in an adult league when I was uh, when I was really young. And growing up, he played the adult. The team he was on was the Kings, and they wore all the you know legit looking stuff. Um, little did I know it was the over thirty B league or whatever it was. Um, yeah. And they were they were decent, but obviously not professional. And I uh, right, right. for for career day in the third grade. I uh, I had introduced the whole class to the idea that my dad played for the Kings, and that was what he did for work because he worked. He, he was a, a finished carpenter, but yeah, he was yeah. at work. He was at work when I was at school. So I mean, he was always home when I was home, and at night he'd go yeah. play hockey. So as far as I knew, that was what he did. He he played hockey. You know, my mom went to work, and my dad played hockey. And so when he came in and started uh, talking to everybody about carpentry, I was a little disappointed, and I think everyone else was a little let down that. Uh, my dad wasn't uh, Wayne Gretzky. 
That's yeah. uh, he's he's not in there with Luke Robitaille and, uh, <laughs> and and Rob Blake and the rest of the uh, of the high flying uh, uh, L.A. Kings. That's that's yeah. funny, man. Uh, I, I kid you not. As a as a youngster, I was I played for the Sturgeon Creek Blackhawks, and I thought, of course, uh, by some sort of uh, line of attrition, that eventually, I if I played for the Chicago or the, the Sturgeon Creek Blackhawks, that was like yeah. the Super farm club for the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. It was a foregone yeah. conclusion that I was going to one day uh, play for the big club, and uh, my my good friend Jonathan went ahead and did it. So uh, uh, one of us did, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I respect the logic there for sure. I mean, where uh, where better for them to pick it up from than, than the kids that have already been running the path? Yeah. No doubt. Uh, so uh, let let's talk a little about dirt bikes because uh, before any before anyone else turns off the podcast or <laughs> continues to hit fifteen uh, the the fifteen second skip until they hear something like uh, about dirt bikes. Uh, so. Um, Obviously, this last weekend uh, when has has passed, uh, Indianapolis Supercross. Uh, you stayed up super late at night on Saturday to watch the races. Eyes peeled uh, with some hard hitting analysis. So uh, go ahead and uh, um, before before again breaking into uh, your scorn and ridicule of the Winnipeg Jets, comment a little bit about Supercross. I have to admit up front that I, I did not watch the race Saturday night. I was I was at the Kings game. But I did I first thing. Yeah, I did first thing Sunday morning. Um, no, it was man. There was a lot going on. It was it was a pretty crazy weekend. Um, oh, especially in the two fifty class. I got yeah. I got sixty. I got sixty seven points in motocross fantasy. That means some crazy <laughs> shit happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean like both of the red plates obviously stayed where they were, so it wasn't like mind blowing. But around that, it was, and I think all of that rooted back to that track. I mean, it looked way more treacherous than any Daytona that I've seen in recent years. Um, yeah, it looked like Play-Doh. Yeah, which I, I was really glad that I didn't didn't have to ride that one. It just didn't... The ruts were so deep, and, and they went to a clip, I think, before, in between the heat races, where there were a bunch of track workers out just literally kicking in ruts on the finish line. And yeah, like, when I saw I that, I, like... When you're seeing that, what do you think? You're like, uh, like, are they ruining something? Are they making it better? What, like? No, I mean, in my my personal opinion, I thought it was really sketchy. I, but I don't. I mean, I didn't lie to it. It may have been fine, and I, I don't. The track crew does a great job, so I don't mean to balk at right. them. But it just seemed to me. I mean, when you just knock a rut in, the rut is going to come right back. But now the dirt in the middle is really soft. So the first guy that hits it is come. It's like he gets a mud section all of a sudden. You know. Um, yeah, and also it kind of makes for jagged ruts, wouldn't it? It would be like kind of like the the, the wheels yeah. would take the the path the path of least resistance, and now that there's like random dirt kind of yeah yeah this yeah Break, rut, unnatural kind of unnatural rut. breaking bumps yeah yeah it yeah. it didn't look um didn't look like it was actually the most sophisticated way sophisticated way to to go about that end goal. Um, I mean, it, I don't know how much time it would have taken to just pull a skiddy out and and track up and down it. Um. Which might have been a little yeah, bit better, but I, that, it just seems like there's there's ten, there's tons of those machines on hand, and yeah. uh, plenty of people who know how to use them properly. In fact, I'm sure even yourself uh, familiar behind the controls of a machine like that. Yeah, and it doesn't sound like it's you know majorly time consuming, but I, I get with live TV they were they were in a hurry, and so that was that was their quick fix to it, and it, it seemed to be the job. I mean, I don't I I didn't notice anything. Um, massively sketchy about it once the race started but 
No, it was it was a wild night from uh, obviously Plessinger getting his first win, which was huge for him, and then him and Malcolm bringing back the uh, dancing of a young James Stewart, which yes. is cool to see. Yeah, I like that. I I, um, I like to see my fa- I like to see my motocross racers having fun. Yeah, I think everybody does. I think I, I've noticed that certainly. Like from a fan perspective, the more you can see that guys are genuinely enjoying it, the more you you want to root for them, or you enjoy it as well. You know, because I think that's that's the reason most of us are doing it. So when you see that guy that's robotic or or you know doesn't show the emotion, it's like eh, but it's just a job. But when the guys are out there you know, celebrating like that, it's like, hey, they really are that stoked about it, you know? Totally, and if you were to have your first win, uh, I, I don't care if uh, if you are the most robotic uh, human uh, on the the face of the earth, if you're not uh, uh, fist-pumping like no tomorrow, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think you got a soul for this stuff. <clears throat> no, it's what we dream of from when we're young, so I mean, but there are guys that are, you know, just uh, relatively monotone about it, but everyone shows it in a way, but I thought that was cool to see. Um, obviously, I think the biggest upset of the night goes to uh, Gannon Odette. I should say biggest biggest rise to the occasion. Not necessarily an upset, but... Or really, like a seizing the day? Yeah, I mean, he really... really impressed with her, You know? Um, oh, I was impressed. I, I did not yeah. expect that from a guy who... Uh, um, used to uh, nip at my heels on 65s when I was on 125s. Yeah, but I mean, he had he had some good results. I mean, end of his amateur career, he was really fast going into pros, and then I think he had some some unfortunate stuff go around, and then you know crashes or whatever. And then he's always had some pretty decent results, and even this season um, was obviously one of the best guys available. You know, I was over at at uh, Pro Circuit when Mitch was kind of running through his options of, of who they might have, and and I know Mitch had had a couple of personal encounters with Gannon and thought Gannon was a great kid and a great person to associate with away from the bike um, as much as his skill level. And that was why he chose him as the fill. And, and then, I mean, yeah, I mean, did he deliver on that or what? Like, that was... That was a... So Yeah, like, if, I mean, if you were yeah. to, uh, to guess who with uh, Pro Circuit Hell yeah. was going to get uh, a podium this year uh, of Arno Tonis, uh, Adam Cianciarolo, or... Uh, uh, Bowers, yeah, Bowers, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, who, who, or, or again, an Odette, yeah. um, like on their first try, uh, yeah. like, t- ten times out of ten, you're not guessing uh, Gannon, but uh, the guy got it done. He uh, he he benefited from uh, from Jeremy Martin uh, wadding himself up and yeah. uh, Martin Davalos being Martin Davalos. I don't know. Yeah, okay, I would say that, yeah. I would say that, I mean, the Martin thing, I don't think, I mean, definitely there were laps there that added to the, the pressure of the situation. But from from my TV screen, it looked like Gannon closed that gap down on his own and was pressuring oh, no, he was he was knocking at the door. It just yeah, looked, I mean, uh... I, think he was, I think he was going by, I mean, I, I, I like Martin as well, and Martin's a great rider, but I think in that situation, I think Gannon might have been going by regardless of the fall down from Martin. Um, which agree, to me yeah. is like, dude, I mean, the fact that he was still in the mix with those guys and, and was able to put it down on such a technical track says a lot. 
Yeah, and the fact that uh, like we're talking about like Martin Davalos, the guy who's known for speed and speed alone. Yeah, uh, and to 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 reel in the gap and uh, like obviously uh, the the pass was made on uh, Martin not just opening the door but actually opening the door, moving his stuff out and uh, <laughs> and, and and leaving uh, the house to be taken. Um, but still taking like taking making up that ground on a track that honestly yeah. seemed difficult to uh, um, hit your marks and, and be perfect on. Like uh, yeah, the, only, the only two guys that really didn't put a wheel wrong in the whole race were, uh, were Gannon and, uh, and Plessinger. And even those guys were having a hard time with that, uh, that double coming out of that one corner. Uh, mm-hmm. That was everybody's kryptonite. Yeah. No, that double was tough. There was even that uh, triple step on, step off looked tough yeah. you know i think everybody missed that a few times and that was how uh i think i don't know what it was i know i dealt with got right back i think right after martin passed gannon originally gannon came right back to upon him at a certain point right because gannon sent that and martin couldn't and it was there were a lot of variables that i mean even the 450 class as far as as dunge and and roxon going at it two guys that are known for very minimal. I mean, obviously, far more Dunge is known for it than than Kenny. But Kenny doesn't make a tremendous amount of mistakes either. Um, and the two of them, I mean, lap after lap, were just exchanging like, oh, he rolled back jump, or or he doubled instead of tripled, or you know, I mean, it seemed like all of their back and forth ground was was just not clearing obstacles, which is so rare for a Supercross track. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was a different track out there, um, and uh, like I think guys a little bit still kind of benefited from the uh, from a short lap time because obviously that takes time off from uh, the, the the total race time. But uh, like, how do you feel like that actually affects uh, racing? Is if it's uh, like with with having a short lap of having a short lap, uh, the the leaders came up on uh, the well. Honestly, uh, Jeff Alessi was down was lapped on lap four, but other than that, <laughs> um, yeah. uh, like honestly, I think lap seven, uh, guys like uh, Tony Archer and Nick Schmidt were uh, were, were getting the blue flag. Um, kind of adds a little bit of a wrinkle to a race that uh, is is already uh, pretty hectic. Definitely. Um... I don't know. I don't know what the thought process is behind those real short tracks. Um, I mean, as a, as a rider, I don't necessarily hate it. I don't, don't love it. I just, I'm kind of indifferent. Um, but I imagine, I mean, I know as a spectator, like even the people that come out and buy the tickets, with the, you know, ticket prices and, and you show up and you get a, a heat race or I mean, a, a main event rather, you know, a 250 main event, that's like 11 minutes. And then the 450s yeah. are, are 14 or 15 minutes. You know, it's, it's pretty short. Um, but it, it affects the racing drastically. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, Kenny definitely would have would have benefited from a longer track. I mean, you would assume, assuming he was if, perform, if the, the lap time, the it was a forty five yeah. second lap time. If it was a if it was a fifty nine, if it was a minute, you'd yeah. have another a quarter more, twenty five percent more time on the track. I think, uh, unfor- like. I, I, obviously, this is all just just speculation, yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. I think if he's given another five minutes on the track, he finds a way past Ryan. You, you would think so. I mean, from the, the trend of how it was going, I mean, although Ryan obviously is is a workhorse, and I think he won that race on on just pure grit and being able to stick to his marks, um, which would have, you know it could have been another hour, and I think he'd have done the same. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you got to think that Kenny was. He was came at the door, knocked, and pushed away, and came back, and then 
uh, he was he was pretty persistent with the strikes. You had to think that one I, I agree. Uh, like uh, wherever you're standing right now isn't good for cell phone reception. You sound like a robot. But uh, um, Ken uh, Ken Roxon honestly was able to uh, make up time literally at will. Like whenever he needed to uh, to to like honestly, if he didn't mess up that one step on st- or the the dragon back uh, over the finish line, I don't think we're talking about uh, another win for Dungey. I think uh, we're talking about a, a successful. Uh, um, uh, race win for, for, for Ken. I, I agree. I mean, that, that one mistake was obviously huge. I mean, he got finally got the lead and then had to roll the finish and then lost what it looked like maybe three seconds and then was able to close that back up. Uh, another thing that was huge was they did, I believe it was, uh, I can't even say it on the section, I believe it was they went the triple step on, step off, and then I think they threed into the turn. And Dungey got that three into the turn n- nearly every lap. And Kenny kept having to go double single for whatever reason and would lose lose time there every lap. And it was like, man, if he had just stuck that every time, overall that would have accumulated to enough time for him to get the pass. You know? Yeah. There were no, uh, a, lot of, a lot of variables. Yeah. But like or I said... Or even was, the, the whoop section. Like he had, like Ken, or Ken had a line through the whoops yeah. that if he was able to get it every time where he would go like kind of jump through and then hit the spot and down, like that was extremely fast. That was almost yep. a half a second right there. Yeah. He had some things that, that really worked, just wasn't able to get them consistently. Um, that being said, the two of them were far more consistent than I think anyone else, excluding maybe Plessinger or, or Adet. Um, but I think they were doing it, obviously, at, a, at an elevated speed on top of that. Right. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah, it, um, it, was, it was pretty crazy. Like, like I said, just looking at the track from a, a rider's perspective and, and knowing how tough those obstacles are, when they're perfectly smooth or when they have small ruts. I mean, out here on the West coast, we get, we get small ruts, shallow ruts that you could get cross rutted or, you know, I mean, I know at Santa Clara in practice, it was, it was muddy when we first went out. So it got pretty rutted up and I, uh, I got cross rutted off the triple and hit it anyways and cased it pretty hard. And there were only two ruts for me to get cross rutted in, you know, that track had maybe 15. So I, I can't imagine trying to go 15 on that and at a, at a full race pace with Dungey. Um, well, no kidding. It was, and, uh, it was pretty crazy. Well, uh, provided you'll, uh, you'll have equipment to uh, be racing outdoors, sounds like uh, that's the type of soil that you'll be meeting when it comes time for Ironman. Yeah, yeah. They got some, uh, some similar dirt out there. It's, I, I don't mind it. I mean, I, I enjoy ruts, and on an outlet track, I'm very comfortable with them. It's just uh, it's a little foreign to me on the Supercross track. Um, and I've experienced it, you know, a, a few times here and there, but, but nothing quite like, like that race. And I don't, I don't know that anybody in that race, except maybe Plessinger with all the off experience, I, I don't think that many guys had ridden something quite that technical. I, I, I agree. I, it's, it's, uh, the, um, an exaggeration of hitting your marks because, uh, yeah. every, like, um, you have to be so precise. You can't vary at all. And honestly, no. even if you try to hit the same spot that you did a lap earlier, that same spot might be different. So, yeah. um, yeah. it's there, there's no true science to it. You just kind of have to, uh, um, be as precise as you can. And, uh, that, uh, that method kind of just, they'll, jumped up and bit a few guys. Definitely. It was one that, uh, a very minor mistake, and you paid a big toll for it. And you saw that, I mean, obviously, like you said, Kenny 
his race win very well could have varied on that small mistake on the dragon's back, which wasn't big at all. He just had to roll the finish because there were so many ruts on the finish line that if he came off it sideways, he probably wasn't going to make it. No, he would have um, ended up uh, standing next to uh, Roger DeCoster in the uh, <laughs> in the manager's yeah. tower. Yeah, it, it took a game. Uh, you know, visually, I would say that it, it, it appeared that it took a game of of feet and inches down to to just centimeters. You know, um, yeah, you, you couldn't you couldn't be off by a hair because then you come into the rut and the bike drops down in and you're unsettled. And once your balance is off and you start to fight the rut, you, you know it's a battle you're going to lose nine times out of ten. So um, it was it was definitely a track that, uh, like you said, if you you had to hit your marks, and if you didn't hit your marks, you really you really got scolded for it. It was uh, unforgiving. Unforgiving, uh, to say the least. But uh, one of the highlights of the Supercross broadcast for me was to uh, to see a good friend of yours, Jim Bones Bacon, uh, on the on the big screen uh, explaining uh, s- uh, suspension probably better than anyone ever has uh, pro- uh, the same uh, terminology that uh, you probably uh, get spoiled with uh, on a weekly <laughs> basis. Really cool to see a guy that, um, for the most part, behind the scenes take. Uh, center stage explaining this stuff a little bit and did a great job definitely i thought so um i watched it i uh i laughed when he said uh, the shock absorber because yeah. he he actually he called me maybe two weeks ago and he he said hey zach and i said yeah and he says i've got a shock absorber for you down here and i said what and he said didn't you leave a shock absorber with me and i said what's an abs- what's a shock absorber and he said what you, what you don't understand i said i have no idea what you're talking about and he said, you're shocked. And I said, I've never heard somebody go with the full name. Like, I, I assumed you meant, like, a, some sort of a part, like if I had an absorber on my shock. I mean, I get what it does, but I, yeah. I, I couldn't help but laugh. I mean, I made a fool of myself, but I couldn't help but laugh when I heard it on TV. He, no uh, kidding. You're, you're, yeah. uh, you're thinking of, like, a, uh, a rubber gusset that goes, like, exactly. the like... <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about? Did you leave a shock absorber on my desk? I said, I don't know, man. I mean, maybe. I said, I left a shock. I know that. He said, that's what I'm talking about. I said, why didn't you say that? Is the shock absorber the little rubber thing that connects the pipe and the silencer on a (laughs) two-stroke? I I assume you could call it that. I mean, it is an absorber of of shock. Um, But, yeah, that was was his uh, his terminology. He was being goofy when he said it to me, but I assume he may have just done the video when he he gave me the call. Perhaps the same day. Yeah, now that I've seen it, that may have been the cause. No, but I, I actually did find the video to be pretty informative as well. I mean, all information that I would say I knew, but just to hear him explain it so simply, that's something that Bones is, is really good at. Uh, uh, his, his mind works, obviously he, he understands things that are so complex, but it works in a very simple way, you know, very mechanical. Um, oh. So, you know, he explained something that was pretty complex. All the stuff that he's talking about is... Um, some high-tech stuff, but he made it sound so basic. I felt like it was, you know, in a first-grade class. Well, with the the amount of knowledge there, it would be very easy for uh, for Bones to uh, to make it sound really complicated and almost alienate anyone yes. who doesn't know. Definitely. And he did the exact opposite by, like, basically inviting complete greenhorns into the intricacies of what is Supercross suspension. And honestly... There's like there's so many people that like that are like fans that are in the know that like follow the sport to a T that like they can't say that they didn't hear something that they had no idea about. Like 
even like what's like the stroke or like when he even mentioned like the the exact millimeters of what the the range is like i guarantee most knowledgeable fans couldn't couldn't regurgitate that type of info and uh i feel even the most hardcore fans learn something and in a way that the uh the newbies could learn something as well really cool i loved it yeah i agree i think it was a really well done piece by bones bones is uh he's, he's a man for tv He's like a, a young Ronald Reagan, if you will. Oh, I like it. Um, yeah. So before we uh, we call up uh, Noah Picard for a couple of questions that way, uh, how is uh, how is the body? How is the uh, is is Zach Commons on and off the bike uh, after a couple of weeks uh, since, or as one week removed from uh, a, a practice crash? Or was it a practice crash or heat race crash? It was a heat race. Well. Heat race. Yeah, heat third lap of the heat race. Yeah. Yeah, of uh, of Santa Clara, a track that uh, again had a pretty short lap time. Yeah, very short lap. I, I enjoyed the track. Um, yeah, had a crash there uh, into a berm and was just generally really sore, uh, bloodied up some, and so we uh, we called it a night on that one um, as a collective, and then took the week off just to regroup and, and recover. You know, I mean, I still didn't feel great from from the crash I had in Phoenix, um, so it was it was good to take the week and, and let everything reboot. Um, and then on Saturday, <clears throat> I, uh, started hitting it hard again and I'm going to give it, uh, you know, get her going. Um, so I went, uh, on like a two hour mountain bike ride with, with Adam. And then I've been, uh, riding the last two days with him and, and working out pretty heavily and getting, getting right back into the swing of things. And I actually felt really good. I was, I was blown away. I told my dad on the way home from, from Paula today, I was like, man, I'm kind of worried. He said, why? And I said, well, we went straight into doing, you know, yesterday and today are my first two days of outdoors, two days of outdoors in, in quite a while. And uh, did two thirties each day. And I felt solid. And I, you know, wasn't tired. I felt like I could spin at any point. And, and the speed is not necessarily there yet. You know, just kind of running it at a, at a monotone to, to build a base. But uh, I was really surprised with that. I told him, I said, I feel like it's going to all hit me at once all of a sudden or something. I don't normally feel this good for, for this long. So hopefully I can keep that going. No doubt, uh, steadily uh, progress and uh, be peaking. Once uh, I guess you're, are you still going to ride uh, Vegas, or is Vegas out? Uh, the plan is to do Vegas right now. I still have to see see how I feel. You know, like I said, just yeah, got to make sure this trend keeps going and make sure I keep feeling good, um, and then and then jump back on the Supercross track and and see if that carries over. Um, but yeah, right now, I mean, obviously, I think everybody's starting to gear toward outdoors. Um, you know, in Vegas will be uh, something that occurs between now and then. But if you're not, you know, I mean, there's only, I think, a, a one-off weekend between the two, is my understanding. Yeah, so I think... got to uh, start getting that testing going and, and getting all that stuff done now. Um, so well, if you're not thinking about a, a championship, I think your focus has to be on outdoors. Uh, but a uh, um, little bit um, unsure of what your uh, current status is as far as an outdoor ride. Um, I assume that uh, you'll still have a lot of support through uh, through Mitch and, and Pro Circuit. But uh, do, do you know what your program's going to be looking like uh, once the gate drops in Hangtown? I don't know exactly, no. Um, we've been, been trying to get stroke? some... Trying to get some stuff together. It will not be on a two-stroke. I can confirm that 100%. It won't be on a two-stroke. Um, but uh, at the moment, I'm planning on it, at least doing Hangtown and uh, <clears throat> Glen Helen. Um, so I think that'll go well, um, and I'm looking forward to that. And really, I don't have my sights set too far. Um, I would say that 
you know, I think we talked about it the first time I was, I was on the show. I, I kind of learned to, to rein in my, my sights. I don't want to look too far ahead regardless. Um, so obviously trying to get things set up as much as I can, but just enjoying the moment and enjoying the fact that I'm riding right now and, and focusing toward that. Um, and then I think we also talked about, I would like to hopefully come up and, and maybe race up there in Canada a little bit too, if I'm not, uh, not able to do the whole season down here. So it would be cool to come, come visit you guys and, and maybe throw some eggs at the, uh, at the Winnipeg training center. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, my parents live only minutes uh, from uh, from that training center. It's actually on my route of a, of a two and a half mile run. So uh, if you do come on up here, we'll I'll put you through my paces in a uh, in a in a in a in a two and a half mile run, and we'll we'll, we'll bring a, a carton of eggs with us. I like it. That sounds good. Two and a half miles is that your that's your your training regiment? That's your full. Uh, well, it's not my full regiment, but uh, I, I like to, when I do cardio, I don't uh, see a, a huge amount of uh, uh, benefits to my own uh, f- fitness levels when I, I, I extend it further past uh, two and a half. I, I can really? obviously do two loops of this particular, like it's, it's literally a loop that goes around the, my, the, the uh, uh, development my parents live in, but uh, I, I, I head out. I set my fastest mile at uh, just over six minutes, and then uh, finish okay. finish off okay. with uh, with an average of uh, seven point two minute uh, right. miles. So, I respect uh, that. I respect I'm, that. I'm cooking. Yeah, uh, you're, but, you're going. I was going to say I went for I went for a two and a half mile run this morning before I went to the, you know yesterday as well. Every morning before I go to the track, I go out, but I, I'm not doing six minute miles. Right, yeah, and then you're all, I was there. also doing six-minute miles after laying bricks for eight hours, so uh, <laughs> get off me, bro. Sorry, I'm sorry. I was jumping down your throat, and that wasn't cool. But oh, uh, we mentioned we mentioned it. Winnipeg, and I saw red. I, I apologize. That's fine, that's fine. Uh, you're going to come up here uh, when we, like, not just for indoor hockey, but outdoor ice. <laughs> and, uh, and you're going to experience that, uh, like, by, I am, I am on a mission to have you come up here and uh, and experience outdoor hockey, it'll be uh, the greatest thing that uh, you'll ever experience. Yeah, I, uh, I I'm like I we've discussed before. I'm not I'm not very familiar with uh, even snow outside. So awesome. That'll well, be uh, uh, that'll be a new experience for sure. No doubt, man. And uh, not not to set our sights too too far, but uh, um, talking about riding dirt bikes, talking about two strokes, the one twenty five Dream Race is coming up in September at Washougal. So uh, maybe circle that date on your calendar as to where where you might be uh, mixing gas and hauling ass at some point. Yeah, I, I wasn't aware of that, but that, that doesn't sound like a bad idea. I just recently missed the uh, the two stroke nationals out at Glen Helen, and. Uh, I was I was a little disappointed in myself for that, but Shame on you. just couldn't couldn't round up a two stroke in time, you know. You there, uh, I could have called you and had you drive down with your two your two beauties. But uh, um, I, I, I I would have done it thirty thirty. I would I could be there in thirty six hours. You would not have it takes done me that. exactly thirty six hours. You would not have done that for me. I would you I would have. have. You yes, would. I would. You're have. you're you're up by Winnipeg. You're not. You're I not would. a good. You're just not at your core. You're just Zach the blood Commons, is not I would that be... of a generous person. You strip things away from people. That's what you guys do. You take I would, I would put other. on my L.A. Kings t- bow tie, silver and black uh, wow. snapback hat. Wow! And I would jump into my silver and black 
uh, Ford F-150 with two green Kawasaki's loaded into the back of it, and I would be in California in 36 hours, Zach Commons. See, I don't know. I don't know if you won me over there by your, your devotion to me or if you lost me with your lack of loyalty to your team. Hey, I, mean, I didn't have I didn't have a hockey team for uh, fifteen years. A, a, a guy has to 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 to, uh, to find other uh, other ways to enjoy <laughs> hockey. Especially when you're a Jets fan, you gotta you gotta find other ways to find happiness. No kidding, we can't all just <laughs> golf all fall, all spring. <laughs> well said. But uh, let's uh, before before I let you uh, enjoy the beach cruising uh, fun that is. Uh, uh, Southern California. Let's call up Noah Picard. He is a 19-year-old autistic uh, sea rider out of uh, Wisconsin who's actually uh, studying um, sports broadcasting in, uh, in in Wisconsin. And yeah. uh, I, he's really excited to chat with you. And uh, if it's all right with you, let's let's add him to this phone call and um, a- and give him an opportunity to uh, to interview you a little bit. Absolutely, that sounds great. And now uh, introducing uh, uh, my guest from earlier in this podcast, uh, Noah. Uh, kind of, uh, if you would, kind of re-explain uh, uh, who exactly you are and uh, and and what uh, and and what we're trying to do tonight. Yeah, I'm Noah Picard. I'm a 19 year old autistic sea rider from Wisconsin. I'm a motocross announcer. I'm going to college for sports broadcasting. Just trying to enjoy life, man. Well, that's pretty cool, um, Noah. It's 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 uh, a pleasure to have you on the show, and uh, I know uh, we we had hung up about uh, about forty five minutes ago, uh, and uh, I had one request of you. One one little piece of homework was to uh, come up with some questions for Zach, and uh, I guess I'll uh, give you the reins here uh, of Big MX Radio. You've got the controls to uh, to complete the uh, this interview with Zach before he uh, heads out on some beach cruisers to uh, to to be ogling uh, the feminine folk that uh, line the beaches of Southern California. Jeez, this guy. Man, I wish... First off, I wish I had your life. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> and secondly, how did you like the road to Supercross? I know you had the Miss Anaheim one, so I'm sure that that sucked, but how did you like the road to Supercross thing? Um, I mean, the, the road to Supercross was... I don't know. I mean, it ended up going okay for me. Yeah, I mean, it was short, yeah. Um, But it was long. I mean, obviously my whole career is in somewhat a road to Supercross, but um, I don't know. Philosopher Stone. What's that? Philosopher uh, Commons. Yeah, it was, uh, (laughs) it was, uh, I don't know. I don't know that I loved it. I I understand the process. I understand why it's in place. Um, Right. In my particular situation, it didn't work out all that well. Um, but right. for some riders, it certainly does, and I agree with the agree with the system. Um, is there any truth to the rumors that uh, Adam Cincirolo is going to have to compete in the Road to Supercross to uh, gain his Supercross points back? No, none at all. <clears throat> at least not that I'm aware of. I haven't heard of such a thing. That would be ludicrous. Would yeah, be ludicrous. I know, right? He already won a Super. He already won two yeah. or three Supercross now, for God's sake. No, that's not right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I haven't heard anything of the sort. I um, I mean, I, I would say all in all, I think it's a good system. I do. I think I was a rare yeah. case where it, it didn't really necessarily, I don't know, I mean, I wouldn't say that it didn't need to happen, but but it just seems like, 
I don't know. I felt that I was qualified, and I mean, I had raced the Monster Energy Cup, and, and right. years prior had been second at the Monster right. Energy Cup, so I felt like I had somewhat proved my my, my way on a Supercross track. Um, so to miss Anaheim one was definitely a bummer. So I had a little bit right. of bitterness toward that. But when I actually raced the arena cross, I would say it was a great experience at the race, um, and I would definitely yeah. go back and do more do more for fun now. Um, it, it's an enjoyable racing experience. It was just so high pressure in my, my personal situation, you know, because I had a, a team waiting for me, and I had signed a contract to be at this event and then uh, couldn't be there. So that was frustrating and just a, a lot of pressure to get it done as quick as possible. Um, but they made, it, yeah. they made it as easy as possible for me. So I, I Didn't you have to anything. go by yourself as well? Uh, I had to go, well, I mean, without the team. I went with my dad and uh, one of his friends and I went with a, a truck and a camper trailer and just drove straight to straight to Cincinnati. And then I got my license um, immediately after, and, and we had to shoot straight back, and we, we drove nonstop all the way back. And then I just went out and, you know, I had to race my first Supercross that weekend. So it was a bit of a cluster on my end. Um, but that being said, I know that that's only my own fault. You know, I mean, I could have done it if I not had my own injury. I would have been able to do it the year prior. And that's what everybody as an amateur is doing now. And I, I see it working really well, you know. Uh, Actually, a friend right. of mine, John Ames, is over at my house right now hanging out. And he uh, he just finished his up in Ontario. And he had a great time oh. racing, and he says he learned a lot from it. So um, I think it's a valuable experience. I just didn't necessarily have the best experience with it personally. Absolutely. Well, it's it's a case where uh, even the Horizon Award winner from like, uh, yeah, like yeah. Benny, Bloss Benny Bloss is forced to go through this um it's 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 jumping through hoops is what it is honestly like uh it's like saying that the uh the first overall pick which will not be selected by the winnipeg jets it'll most likely be selected (laughs) by either the toronto maple leafs or uh or oilers uh like austin matthews sending him to the ahl uh or a different junior league just so that he can boost attendance at those events or those games before moving up to uh, the uh, the the NHL, like for, uh, and he's going to miss a certain number of games at the NHL level. Like it just to me, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, for, no, for I mean, some, I, it uh, it gives them some some valuable experience. I I agree with you very much. So that that I I mean I, on both ends, I can play devil's advocate, and that I think there should be exceptions. In the sense that, um, I mean, Benny Bloss is a great example. They they acknowledged him, the same organization acknowledged him as the, what they considered to be the best amateur athlete at Loretta Lynch. Um, and then they're saying, hey, he's the best guy coming out of this. And yet he has to yeah. go to another event and unfortunately spend, you know, thousands of dollars out of pocket to attend those events to then prove that he is qualified to race at the professional level. It, they're kind of negating their own their own award um, or contradicting it, if you will. But at the same time, I, I can see it from their perspective in that if you were to start nitpicking people and pulling kids out, that gets too biased and that gets, you know, too political. And um, I think they, to some extent you do have to throw a blanket over it. You can't play favorites because what happens when, you know, little Johnny thinks he's good enough, but they don't pick him. They pick little baby instead. And, you know, because his parents know somebody or, or whatever the circumstance is, I get the fact that they're saying, hey, it's a blanket statement. Everybody's got to do it regardless, no exceptions. And so I respect that. 
Yeah. No, that's good. Uh, I, I totally agree. Uh, other than uh, possibly uh, making a rule that uh, if you had uh, had a, uh, a Loretta Lynn's or Monster Cup championship uh, of, of like a select classes, say yep. it's the, the 450A, the 450B, the 250A, and the 250B uh, stock or mod, um, those would be accepted as uh, like maybe an alternative or a yep. prerequisite, like a a prerequisite to getting your Supercross license um, because, like, you can't just say any uh, Loretta Lynn's uh, championship because you could win one in yeah. 50s and then never win another one and yeah, yeah. get your, your Supercross license. But uh, uh, I think that might be something that, like, maybe could be uh, are, yeah. expediate some of these kids. Like, like Austin Forkner shouldn't be having to race arena cross. I'm sorry. Right. But there are, there are quite a few exceptions you could find in that. I mean, like, like I, I, I yeah. would agree, that, like, if you look at the Monster Energy Cup as a whole, they pick the, what they consider to be the best 20 amateur athletes and put them on a supercross track. So it is the same. It's Feld and AMA together saying these kids can race a supercross track. And yet every kid that's raced that has had to do the road to arena cross. So they're acknowledging yeah. that you can race supercross tracks, but you, you can't. You, you know what I mean? I agree. Totally. Yeah, totally. I agree 100%. Uh, so, uh, Noah, um, did you have any other, other questions? I, I know uh, you had a little bit of a list there before uh, we let Zach uh, get his, uh, his, his rose-colored glasses on so Sorry. that uh, yeah, his I, eyes I can't rant. be seen this evening. I rant and I rant. I'll give you long, long answers. Sorry about that. You're still a little bit riled yeah, up from fine, the man, Winnipeg good. Jets talk. <laughs> well, so do you plan on running any nationals this year? Um, I At the moment, I've, I've only planned as far as I, I plan to go to Hangtown and Glen Helen. Um, those are easy for me to get to being on the West Coast. Um, and I'm starting yeah. to prepare for those now. So beyond that, I, I'm not sure. Yeah. Who, who is faster at the practice track this weekend or the today? At, you or Adam? You can be honest. <laughs> no, it's uh, obviously he's a great rider. He's just getting back to riding now. Um, so it's, it's, we're not really racing, just uh, having fun with it and, and, and building, you know, we've been doing long motos and, and building a base and, and getting better. So uh, we actually haven't, uh, you, haven't, been, haven't been doing laps or, or racing. Really. Or lots of times, enough. I should say. Uh, They're not that times. We've been doing laps. We're doing lots of laps. And we're doing lap times. Fair enough. Uh, I apologize, Noah. I keep uh, uh, stepping on your toes here. Continue. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> keep going, man. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's your next question for uh, for Zach? All right, so what's it like going from amateur to pro? Like, what's it up on? I'm up on a 22-man Supercross gate for the main event. I mean, it's got to be pretty nerve-wracking, I'd assume. Yes. That was one thing I, I struggled with throughout um, was the nerves. Uh, you hit that nail on the head with that, for sure. Um, it's so different to go from from lining up in an amateur race where there's maybe hundreds of people, you know, and a lot of them are there to race themselves, um, to lining up in front of, you know, 60,000 people that are all there to watch what you're doing. Um, very intimidating, very nerve wracking. Uh, once the gate drops, I mean, I think you know how it is as a racer, like you, you're racing. Once you're racing, you're racing. That's what you've always done. And you, you know how that is. Um, right. but for me, the biggest thing was, was the time from opening ceremonies until the heat race actually left the gate. I had the, the biggest knots in my stomach. Um, 
Right. Cause you don't, you don't get that. You don't get that anywhere else. I mean, I don't, there, there are other professional sports where you'll get that, but there are very, very limited, limited experiences in life where people get to, to feel like they're the spectacle of that many people. So it's a great feeling and it's what I've always coveted, but it, it's, it's pretty scary, man. Like to be totally truthful, I, I was pretty darn nervous, um, the first time. And, and, Fortunately, having a friend like Adam who had experienced it for me at San Diego, my first race, uh, he came over to the truck and talked to me and he said, Hey man, he said, I, I recommend getting down there when opening ceremony starts and standing down at the end of the tunnel. So you're in the stadium for the whole opening ceremonies. So you get used to being with all those people, you know? And, um, right. That's a cool approach. We're going to have kind of an oh, an oh crap moment, you know? Where you're gonna go? Oh man! I, everybody's looking at me, and I'm I'm in front of thousands of people, and I'm racing Supercross. He said he had it, and he said he promised that I would, and and I did, and it was it was spooky. So it, it's tough to deal with the nerves, but uh, like I said, you're just you're just racing a dirt bike once the gate drops. So right, I give you mad props, man. I mean, it's something I couldn't handle. I couldn't physically endure that <laughs> if I puke. <laughs> in fact, I did it at my, my first ever race. <laughs> Did you? I, I, I did as well, actually. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 battling not no stomach flu symptoms whatsoever. Just uh, um, just sick to my stomach to think that I was going to take off of a line with uh, with a bunch of other uh, uh, what I imagined were uh, the, the gnarliest competitors in the seven to eleven class could uh, could produce here in uh, friendly Manitoba. Yeah, that's funny. No, it's cool though. I mean, it's cool that you can go like what still amazes me about this sport and one of my favorite feelings by far in the world is um, you can go from having that gnarly pit in your stomach to only seconds later, like the the highest like elation and just happiness that you'll ever get. You know, I mean, you go from like being that scared oh, yeah. to once the, once you're racing, you're like, oh, I know what I'm doing, and it's exciting, and there's a guy here, there's a guy yeah. there, and you're feeling it. You know, it, it just cool. Yeah, how fast? Yeah, I know it's so down. cool that so cool to overcome that you know yeah totally agree man well uh zach i really appreciate you giving me some time and, and noah some time to to ask some questions and uh sorry we uh took so much of your evening to uh to to enjoy the uh the color of South, southern california's beautiful weather um uh, always welcome you to come back on the show and uh, and love uh, to when you come on here and, and give some uh, some opinions, some introspection, and some analysis of the sport of Supercross. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely do this again. And uh, Noah, say, thanks to you as well. Uh, great conversation, and uh, I think you did a great job uh, hounding this kid for some uh, for some some hard some hard hitting questions. Yeah, Absolutely. thanks. I mean, it's thank a pleasure you. to talk oh. to a fast pro like Zach. Thank you, Noah. Awesome, no, I was going to say thank you for, for taking the time to get any questions. I mean, <clears throat> I appreciate you it. Bet, man. Um, I, I would say in a, in a non-biased thing here, I mean, I, obviously I've, I've known Brad a bit longer, but I, I feel like the listeners enjoy your section more, being that he just talked about hockey and, and what have you. You, uh, <laughs> you had some pretty solid, hard-hitting questions. Um, thank you, man. I, I, I appreciate that. it. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Thank you. Twice, twice the uh, the broadcaster I'll never be. Noah Picard uh, coming on to my show and uh, showing me how it's done, and uh, and of course none other than Zach Commons to uh, to confirm that and uh, promptly uh, and abruptly throw me under the bus at the tail end of the show. I appreciate that. 
of course, man. That was good. I'll always be here to put you down. Yeah, I'll always be here to put you down when you need it. I uh, I appreciate you having me, Brad. Though it uh, it's always good fun talking yeah. to you. Thank you. Keep me Thank humble, my that. friend. Uh, to both of you, uh, always a pleasure. Uh, we'll chat again soon. Uh, Zach, I'll uh, I'll let you uh, get to the rest of your night. Uh, same to you, Noah. Uh, for those who are looking to follow Zach on social media, at Zach Commons on, on Instagram is the is the place to go to get all the updates on uh, riding schedule and uh, and, and the, those Insta-bangers that are coming out daily. And, uh, of course, uh, Noah, yours uh, your Instagram is, is what again? Ah, Instagram, NPR110. NPR110, and uh, as well as uh, you can be found on uh, on Facebook at Noah Picard. Uh, thanks to both of you. Um, you guys both have uh, great nights uh, ahead of you. Uh, take care there, Noah. All right, thank you. You yeah. too. Have a good night, Brad. All right, bye, yeah, man. Good night. See you. Nice bye meeting bye. you. Another day is nearly done A darker gray is breaking through a lighter one A thousand sharpened elbows in the underground That hollow hurried sound Feet on polished floor And in the dollar is closing up and counting loonies trying not to say I hate Winnipeg The driver checks the mirror seven minutes late The crowded rider's restlessness enunciates Guess who sucked? The Jets were lousy anyway The same route every day And in the turning lane Someone stalled a game He's talking to himself And hears the price of gas repeat his phrase I hate Winnipeg King Wrecking Ball proclaimed